Yo, so today uh, we're gonna have a little arcades and talk about the legendary Tekken 4, which came out in 2001. A really special time. Of course, that's the same year. And we talked about this in our arcades and decades series. Like this is the same year when the 9-11 attacks happened. This is the same year when the internet really started popping off in a major way and became mainstream. This is the era where we catapulted into the digital spheres, you know? And right at this time, Tekken 4 is released on PlayStation 2 and drastically changes the direction of the series. I mean, Tekken 3 is of course an iconic game. It's, you know, as Arya said in our Arcade Press interview, he said that it, it sold PlayStation, it's Tekken 3. When you say Tekken, still to most people's minds, it's Tekken 3. Um, yeah, that like close second is Tekken Seven, just because it's been such a such success. And but you know now it's the day of social media, now it's the day of streamers, now it's you know the day of esports. But for its time, Tekken Three was an absolute phenomenon. So, right. um, like, I think they need to, the Tekken team needs to kind of reassess like what made it, what made Tekken Three strike such a chord with not just gamers but just like general people. <laughs> right um yeah like Mm -hmm. Tekken 3 sold playstation that's true even people who don't even play games anymore don't play fighting games they know some of those characters in tekken you know uh they know that introduction they know what that meant to them to see tekken 3 for the first time so it was already solidified as a monumental piece of the cultural zeitgeist you know and then all of a sudden 2001 happens after Tekken Tag, of course, which kind of innovated on the same system that Tekken 3 already had, you know, it was very similar in gameplay. Tekken 4 was a complete departure of that Tekken 3 uh, gameplay. Recognizable characters, but slightly different uh, aesthetics, slightly different haircuts, slightly different outfits, slightly different moods and modes. They packaged the whole Tekken feeling but kind of put it in that futuristic Y2K aesthetic landscape. And it really is a masterclass, I think, in, in game design and in bold innovation in uh, gameplay. You know, you have to look, We I don't really want to talk so much about how, like, you know what people didn't like about it or what people da 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 or how the you know that's people have already talked about that you know actually aria to, of that blasted salami he has a lot of great things to say on the analytical aspects of tekken 4 and i recommend people who uh, are interested in tekken 4 you know culturally or as far as how it was perceived in the fighting game community at that time should definitely look into that. I, I, you know, grew up as very young in 2001 and we definitely didn't really have a robust fighting game scene. You know what I mean? And they're definitely what, I didn't even know there was an FGC, you know, or fighting game really scene. You know, I didn't know that was even a thing, you know, growing up. And so around, you know, Tekken 4 days, that was one of those games you just picked up and you had it and you played it. And you were into it. And my experience with the game as a young person playing with my homeboys in school, you know, on the on Tekken 4, it was like, uh, it was a game where it was just, it, it is what it is. You know what I mean? It was what it was. Like, it was just like, 
either you knew you understood the game, you understood the basics, you understood how to move your character, you were one with the character, you had enough drive and motivation to win with your character. And this is obviously, I'm talking about casuals, you know, or, you know, you didn't understand the direction that Tekken 4 was going in. You didn't become one with, with the game, so to speak. And um, I think the people who were able to have a good experience with the game still remember it as probably one of their favorite Tekken games, if not their favorite Tekken game. Um, so I'm kind of going, I kind of digress here, but basically what I'm saying is Tekken 4 means a lot to people who were in the know, you know what I mean? Because Tekken 3 was such a big cultural, you know, you know, it was such, it was such, it was such, it was just a cultural, just impactful piece of art, man. Like it just changed the game. Tekken 3 was just, it was just such on a whole nother level for 3D fighting games and just 3D gaming and 3D technology in general that it was just, it was just on, it was like a rock star. It was like the, it is the fighting game. When you think about fighting games, you think Tekken 3, Street Fighter uh, Turbo 2, and then probably MK2, like, or MK Trilogy. Those three games, as far as I'm concerned, when we're talking about strictly cultural impact, I'm going to say it again, Tekken 3, MK3, or MK2, and Street Fighter 2, those three games, that is fighting games um, in the West. And so, um, you know, when we think about Tekken 4, it really uh, shifted gears in a major way. And it really just took some bold, uh, creative and artistic directions. So first, I think we should, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, the packaging of the game and uh, what the game looked like and uh, the experience. So, you know, Jin is on the cover of Tekken 3, and uh, it's dope. Like, he's got the glove. Everybody's seen it. Everybody knows it. But Tekken 4, we see the same character, Jin, with the hooded, as the hooded figure. You know, he, he's, he's taking his bad boy aesthetic up to a whole new level. And uh, this particular cover, whereas the first cover was more about Jin's attitude on the first cover. Tekken 3, uh, his, his, his first, you know, uh, venture into the Tekken series, his first, his introduction into Tekken was this, you know, just his face. But Tekken 4 didn't show his face, not really, on the cover. It really just showed his outfit. So you can already tell from this game that it's going to be more about the swag, it's going to be more about the fashion, it's going to be more about the style. And uh, that is exactly what Tekken 4 is more so about. It is about these very careful attention to details, to style, and to flavor. And you actually notice that the other characters, Kazuya, Heihachi, are in the background of um, each of the covers, whether or not you're looking at the you know, North American uh, or Japanese versions uh, of the cover. You can see they're kind of faded images in the background because these images and the faces are more, take a back seat in comparison to the new life that was breathed that was breathed into the style of this game. And uh, there's very, very cool outfits in this game. Like we look at Jin's um, combat outfit in Tekken 4. He's got the, the white pants. He's got the black and white fire kimono situation. Yeah, the, the game is very, very fresh. As we can see in the cover, it pays a lot of attention to the, to the style, to the flavor. And it lets you know that, that, that the game is taking a... Uh, a, a very a more serious uh, tone. I mean, Tekken 3 was, of course, very serious, but the fact that we do not see Jin's face 
lets us know that maybe he's grown up a little bit more. Maybe he's a little bit more serious. He's a bit more mature. Maybe he's jaded by the events that have taken place from three and four. Um, and so it's just an incredible, uh, an incredible entry into the series and an incredible take on an awesome cover. I, I, I really love the cover for Tekken 4. And I love the emphasis of the logo, the Tekken 4's logo of just this gigantic four. It's just really, really cool. Um, and the emphasis on numbers in the Tekken uh, titles are just really, really cool as well. The game consider had considerably less characters than it did in Tekken Tag, uh, which was the game that uh, came before it. And so it was kind of um, kind of probably jarring for a lot of fans that, that had the big roster in Tekken 3, the even bigger roster in Tekken Tag, and then this roster that was greatly reduced. And I think that, like I said, once again, they wanted to focus on just a fresh product. I, I imagine there were a lot of copycats that were coming out around the same time that Tekken 3 was such a success. A lot of games wanted to mimic what Tekken 3 was able to do. And so they, 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 they perfected that formula in a, in a sense with Tekken Tag in 2000. And then they were like, in 2001, let's really rear this back and let's create something totally dynamic and totally fresh, something that no fighting game can, can really duplicate. And no fighting game has really done that to this day. I would say that one that, that seemed to uh, borrow it a little bit, borrow the flavor a little bit, was the Dead or Alive series. I particularly think that Dead or Alive 4 probably looks the most like Tekken 4 uh, than any other fighting game, but still Tekken 4 is in a league of its own. After the domination of Mishima's and Backdash cancel in Tekken Tag Tournament, Tekken 4 was retuned by popular demand to be more up-close and aggressive. The story was once again moved on significantly from Tekken 3. A lot of the magical or supernatural elements were cleaned out of the game. There were no more ogres or dinosaurs or magical boss characters. Kuma was the only returning animal, and while still extremely over the top, it represented an attempt at injecting some hard-boiled realism into the series. Backdash was shortened dramatically, with consecutive backdashes being particularly weak. Sidestep was removed and replaced with Sidewalk. This was technically less evasive than sidestep in terms of pure distance covered. There's two really big differences, I think, that differentiate Tekken 4 from all the other Tekken games. And that was the pre-positioning in the game, like before each round you could kind of move around before the actual match started, which has never been done before in another Tekken game. And then they had the uh, different, the very unique and dynamic stages that are reminiscent of what we see in maybe some Dead or Alive titles where the floors are not necessarily leveled. Um, it also introduced wall combos. So those three things I think were the biggest uh, differences in the Tekken game. They wanted it to feel more realistic. They wanted it to feel more uh, dynamic, like certain things could happen uh, in the game that would change the feel of the game, right? Whether or not that was, you know, having a, a, a leveling advantage, a height advantage, um, having the higher ground, whether or not that was being able to combo off of a wall, which was new for the Tekken series. Um, 
or being able to preposition and, and, and play that as a part of the meta in the Tekken game. Those three things are the most standout for me in the Tekken 4 uh, game. But, you know, there are other great creators that have broken those down even more as far as like really digging into the uh, differences in the gameplay mechanics in Tekken. Apparently, Jin was super OP in tournaments. I was not, you know, around during the tournament scene during this time. Jin Kid was really popular at that time in the Tekken 4 era. He played Jin, obviously, but you're right. Jin was very OP. Eris also has some great breakdowns of the game as well. He was pretty relevant during that time. It's sort of like an early content creator. He has some very, very good archival footage on his channel from way back when of tournaments that are, are crazy. So here's a little bit of backstory uh, behind these players. Tom Hilfiger actually is a very unique player in that among the entire series of Tekken, he is actually the only American player who was actually the best in the world because he traveled to Korea and he did really, really well against the top ranked players. So he, for a period of time, was the best uh, T4 player uh, on the planet. And Junior Lime was also one of the best uh, Korean players. Now, the reason this is a significant match historically is because uh, this was the first time, as far as I know, an American player, uh, a Korean player was not able to win traveling to America and lost to an American player. This is the first time that ever happened. Now, the thing that makes it even more significant is this tournament took place in the year 2002. However, in the year 2010, eight years after this tournament, Nin from Korea came over to uh, America to compete in a tournament called Devastation, which was held in Arizona. And during that time, I got to talk to him and I asked him about how, uh, how much pressure he feels when he's traveling to or when Korean players are traveling to America and you know they have to perform how what kind of pressure is uh involved and he told me and this was in the year 2010 he told me as a response to that question that people still talk about and this again was in the year 2010 people still talk about junior lime losing to tom hilfiger and that was in 2002 so this is really a significant match because uh tom hilfiger i don't mean to spoil it but he ended up winning this and it was talked about for years and years and years about how Junior Lime came to America and lost to Tom Hilfiger. So this is uh, why it's so significant uh, in my eyes. Uh, so let's move on. Let's get started with the match. Here we go. Nicely edited. Again, if you want to watch these, you can watch them on Insomnotech's uh, YouTube channel. So here we go. The thing that is really interesting about this matchup, as you'll see, is... Jin generally is known to be just a beastly character in this game. One of the best top tier characters in any game. Uh, because of many, many reasons, including Just Frame Skyrocket, un with punishable parries, and just generally excellent pokes uh, overall. Now, as you can see, the thing that makes Nina so unique in this game is that she is just about the only character that has movement. So as you can see there, she's Hayashida stepping out of Laser Scraper, which happens to be Jin's best move. So this is like a really interesting match because you have a tyrant powerhouse like Jin, and then you have this poke-heavy character like Nina, uh, you know, trying to compete, dodging out of all this stuff. So here we go, match starts. Uh, Tom Hilfiger's already in the lead. So moving before the round starts also is a very interesting mechanic that they only used in this game. Um, but yeah, 
here we go side step one extremely cheap there you go highest sheet of step all the way around the laser scraper into a back turn ivory which gives you a free uh divine cannon so very very effective there he goes again trying to get around the laser scraper this go. time it didn't go all the way around so he decided he was going to go with a low poke afterwards a really effective tactic with nina so here we go things start already nice two four down four that's a combo in this game sidestep whiffs it he misses the just frame laser scraper but blocks the low into a punish that's a full combo in this game in this game the juggle length was extremely low and juggle damage was pretty low too jr lime takes another one cameraman playing dance dance revolution a little bit ivory cutter very very cheap move in this game he goes for the multi-part throw nice converts it all the way that's a ton of damage multi-parts did a grip of damage in this game while combos didn't nice poking another big block nice so in this game laser scraper the third hit is an unblockable as you saw there again but uh if the first two hits you can't escape getting hit by the third however some characters can partially escape by get becoming airborne so for nina up forward four if i recall correctly is the move she has to do to become airborne therefore not to be launched by the third hit of just frame laser scraper so nice job by tom doing that Ooh, counter hit again if it's a counter hit and you get the double over stun there's nothing you can do about the laser scraper you just break the double over stun and then you gotta get hit by it if he does it correctly nice pressure pushing him towards the wall some guy getting in the way of the camera ivory cutter really really cheap move in this game it's like zero on block nice down to the wire one two takes it you'll notice that uh pokes jabs down forward ones and stuff like that are extremely effective in this game so now we're down to final game another laser scraper this one tom did not get out of pushing him to the wall hayashida jr lime turtling up now he knows he's down to the last game two four flips over down four guaranteed with that was a mistake you think i think he wanted to do a forward forward two at the wall and got forward two the nerves are probably affecting him as i mentioned a lot of pressure down four another combo very nice okay here we go trading hits hayashida junior lime very cautious he knows that that hayashida step is going to make a lot of his offense whiff so he's being very careful where he attacks ducks under that but the delayed third hit was really nice by tom to prevent the launcher ivory cutter one two hayashida step nice counter hits the laser scraper stacking up now one two very nice sidestep one in this game was extremely cheap she got like a free throw attempt nice getting under there with hayashida into back turn ivory again nice wall tech again that's something that existed in this game wall combos were not that heavy there was a wall tech unless you hit a side wall stun he messed up the laser scraper again right there nerves wall push standing for pressure careful though he knows he knows not to tinker around too much with junior lime he's one of the best and there you go tom hilfiger takes it uh this is just uh really like it brings back so many memories uh seeing that match uh i remember everyone in the room that was there sla uh jop just tons of legends were in that room unconquerable i mean it was really really an amazing tournament and uh, it was also a type of tournament that I think will never be experienced again. There was no stream. There was no, uh, you know, 
sponsors and there was basically no money not a lot of big money so at this time people would travel across the country with almost no incentive only because they loved the game so I, I thought that that was a really cool grand finals Tekken Force mode was introduced in Tekken 3 uh, and it was really cool it had it usually followed one angle in Tekken Force mode it was kind of you know, utilizing that classic uh, arcade beat 'em up style where it was left screen to the right of the screen, which I thought was really fun. But Tekken 4, once again, being so innovative, put a spin on that beat 'em up style and made it more three dimensional and were allowed you to run through different corridors. Uh, at, I think, you know, between four or five stages in the Tekken Force mode. Character all the characters received very new and iconic looks. We saw characters like Paul had, had, you know, did not have, one of his outfits did not have his iconic high top haircut, um, which was kind of very unique, but also kind of reflected the time period, this transformative time period. Um, like I said, Jin had a very much more um, bold and defining style. He was rocking the hood. We had the aesthetic differences between Lee and his alter ego, Violet, um, you know, really focusing on just stylistic changes in the game. Huarong had uh, two different looks. He had this long hair uh, look. He had the, you know, short haircut. Like there was just like different stylistic differences. They were like, you know, if this character was to wear short hair, what outfits would they also wear with this outfit? You know, or if Paul were to look like a country music singer or a rock star or, you know, and have his hair down, what kind of outfit would he wear then? Right. Um, so that game was really I mean, of course, we had the Heihachis, you know, iconic and memorable boss fit and no Armor King, which would have been incredible and crazy to have Armor King in this game. They introduced a Marduk, a Steve Fox, Christie was in this game. Combat was new in this game. A lot of the roster isn't here in this game. And that is kind of, to me, what makes it fresh. It, it, it inspires you to kind of pick somebody you maybe wouldn't normally pick. And uh, even Jin's style was changed to more of a traditional karate. He lost his Mishima fighting style that was so memorable and notable in the Tekken 3 series. So it was just really fresh. It, everything about the game changed. What I think is most important and most unique about the game and most memorable about it is the music, of course. I think this Tekken 4 probably has, next to Tekken Tag 1, the best soundtrack of any Tekken game, and perhaps the best soundtrack of any fighting game. Tekken 4's soundtrack is kind of the blueprint for ambient sounds that we heard later in the future, the vaporwave aesthetic that we heard in the future, um, the attention to detail, the urban metropolis arcadism that we talk so much about on this channel. And one of the ways that it does that is, is that the maps and the stages in Tekken 4, from what I understand, are actually connected, right? So there's one rooftop stage where you're on the rooftop of, a, of the mall. There's a mall stage where you're inside of that same building. And then there is the, I think, Shinjuku streets where you're actually out on the streets outside of that building. So it was a lot of attention to detail on actual realistic places in in a city and i think even the garage the parking garage is the parking garage of this mall this commercial uh, building 
And that is so amazing for the Tekken series because it leans us into the arcadism aesthetics that we talk so much about, which basically says that like all of these areas are connected and cross over into one another, right? The idea of the ambience and the nostalgic spaciousness of Tekken 4 and even the the character select screen, which, you know, kind of looks like it's in a sort of the 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 void right there's cloudiness there's this light in the background that could be the sun it's very very uh much into the space and abandonedness of places right so the places look more realistic here in Tekken 4 but they're completely for the most part vacant there are a couple human characters in the background of some stages but for the most part you know of course they don't want to be punched or hit in the fight these places are very much open and that openness is very much represented in the soundtrack of Tekken. Even, uh, you know, songs like Authentic Sky is a great example of that, right? Very unique takes on fighting game music, whereas typically fighting game music would be hype and intense to get the players, you know, really motivated and, and, and excited to go into battle, where these games were like making you inspired and motivated to go into combat because of the space between moments. Um and the space between moments in sound and in visuals, right? So just Tekken 4 just took it to that next level. And uh, it, it's actually a big inspiration for me for interest in a metropolis, urban design, architecture, that sort of thing, because it fuses architecture, interior design. Like I said, these mall stages, these rooftop stages, and it fuses it with this, you know, fantasy world of these two very unique dynamic interesting stylish fighters fighting in this incredible vacant place right like it's just it's just really bold to make characters so close to realistic but but also uh dripping with fantasy and dripping with 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 just imagination and they're fighting in a place that could be real uh, but we know it's not, right? It's kind of like wrestling in that same way that it appeals to people that it's like, you know, these very larger than life characters are fighting in front of the world. That sort of gladiator, uh, you know, I idea, that sort of fantasy fighter. Tekken kind of did that. It, it took the sort of more um, abstract stages in Tekken 3 and made them more realistic, fighting at the beach, fighting at the airport. Both of these soundtracks are really, really amazing and um, allow fans to geek out about like, wow, what if there was like an epic fight at an airport? Like you're about to get on your flight and you see these two larger than life characters duking it out with incredible style too. You know what I mean? Like it's just really, really, really amazing of a game. I think that Harada has mentioned that it wasn't the most popular. People did not like, you know, the departure from 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 style from Tekken 3 to Tekken 4. But if you look at the popular opinion now, everyone loves Tekken 4 in hindsight. You know what I mean? Like when people look back on it, they think Tekken 4 is like the best or their favorite or the or the most slept on, the most underrated, right? Um, and it is very unique. I think Arya, who's on who's been on our podcast, has said that it's the black sheep of Tekken, right? It is the unique Tekken game. And uh, I love it for that exact reason. I would say that, you know, in closing, Tekken 4 is one of the best games ever made and one of the coolest games ever made, but one of the best soundtracks ever made. And uh, 
it's amazing that there's such a deep history about it in the early 2000s era before YouTube um, that is kind of lost. All that information is lost. So hopefully we can try to find out a little bit more history and context in a great and legendary game, Tekken 4.